and welcome to the Hack Your Mindset podcast with me, Jenny Winterleach, the Mindset Hacker. So wherever you are today and whatever it is you're doing while you're listening to this, settle in and enjoy the ride. Hi everybody, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Flying Changes Mindset Performance Show. I'm Jenny Winterleach and I am absolutely thrilled today to be joined by the gorgeous, gorgeous Julia Fairfax. Hi Julia. Hi darling. Um, Julia is a wonderful friend of mine. Um, interestingly enough, we met donkeys years ago and then lost touch and then randomly got back in touch again last year during COVID, something the world's collided again and we got in touch. And that past year has been crazy, hasn't it? <laughs> I think that's the understatement of the century, isn't it? Yeah, it has. It's been yeah. just been I'm- ridiculous. And the work we do together and, you know, it's, you know, such massive respect for all that you do. And, you know, it's it's a joy and an honour to be here. You know, I'm a great believer in who you are and what you're doing, girl. Thank you so much. Same back at you as well. So we're not going to just sit here and love each other. We're going to be talking today about something that's really important and really, really close to both our hearts. And something that I realised a few years ago when I started realizing what something called trauma was, and that's the topic we're going to talk about today, it changed everything that I did and everything that I understand it because suddenly I understood something that underpins everything. And in, well, in the world, but particularly in the equine world, it's very prevalent, but it's the unspoken truth. And it is something that massively affects us all in so many different ways. And Julia, you're an incredible person when it comes to trauma. And I've learned so much from you as well about it. And I wanted to bring you on today to just talk more about this topic that we are hugely passionate about, that we both know sits under everything and is actually the thing that when we crack this nut, everything gets better, doesn't it? It really is a catalyst, isn't it? Completely, completely. I mean, it's in, in, in the 20 years that I've been doing this work, it you know it's just come back to me over and over again as I've developed my own practice that behind every issue whether it's uh, personal professional uh, rider related horse related it's all goes back to trauma and you know people you know you tend to hit you know the antidepressants or they just you know we've all been taught to like just suck it up you know especially as an equestrian it's you know it's that thing of I mean I'm going to share my own story here of you know I was incredibly blessed to be trained to the level I was as a rider and um and I could never understand people who lost their nerve because I always felt the most happiest on the back of a horse or in water than I did on land and I used to have just be like oh for god's sake they're pathetic you know get a nerve get you know don't bother riding if you're like that and of course, then, of course, it had to happen to me in order for me to understand what it was all about. And I had been for quite a long time a crash test dummy, so um, which never bothered me at all. And then I actually rescued my own horse. He was a American bred thoroughbred. And unbeknownst to me, he had a death wish and he tried to kill us both underneath the wheels of a lorry. And um, thankfully, the bigger picture stepped in and we were okay but as that happened I felt something here in my solar plexus snap and it was like all all of my training all of my experience all of my um joy of riding just went and I just and I just lost it and that was my turning point into the work I do now because it was like you know the thing I love the most I'm I'm absolutely broken about so it was like, okay, so what's the underlying trauma? And, you know, all of us, all of us suffer from intergenerational trauma because that is the world in which we exist. You know, our parents go through stuff. We tend to then be conditioned to blame them rather than understand that they're doing the best they can with how they are from the trauma they inherited from their parents, as well as the geopathic factors of you know, the role of the media and the pressure we're put under, and particularly in the equestrian world, which tends to be sadly so, so bitchy and backstabby and all of that stuff. I mean, I remember as a junior um, winning a big show jumping thing. It was the team selection 
and I and, and I and my my boy absolutely flew, and it was the most sublime feeling, and we were so happy. We were sent to Coventry by everyone, so about 60, 70 people on their ponies and horses, just it, just ignore me. It was it was like I I I was no longer I was persona non grata because we'd won. And you know when you're living with that reality, so the and the pressure to perform, the pressure to excel, and all of that, then can build up and become triggers for anxiety, etc., which then tends to go back to childhood trauma, whether it's I'm not good enough, which most of us have been conditioned with, or God forbid, deeper trauma from you know abuse in childhood. You know, even issues such as, I mean, you know, I've been dealing recently with a lovely person who had extreme social anxiety. And it was all, it all stemmed back to uh, a father who, sadly, because of his own trauma, was a bully. She was very sensitive. And then it went on through school, etc. And because she's really pretty and she's really petite, she was then on the receiving end of loads of bitchy stuff from other girls and you know it's we don't acknowledge the impact that all of this stuff has on us because we're taught to just suck it up and kick on and yeah, so then what, then what happens is we then tend to just get on the antidepressants yeah or whatever else it is that we use as yeah, a coping mechanism or and this you know, is the alcohol, analogy whatever. exactly alcohol or whatever it is yeah or you know relationship um not necessarily even abuse but things like going through the wrong ones all the time or even if we look at the horse world very often the wrong horse the wrong horse the yeah. wrong horse it's a similar thing to you know the the, the relationship thing where you just keep getting the wrong one the wrong one but interestingly i just wanted to interject with you know so many people don't know what trauma is and one of the things i want us to do today is kind of explain it a little bit better because a lot of people think it's ptsd only or you know you have to have had some major accident or something but when you're talking there about the coping mechanisms we put in um a lot of people have probably heard me talk about the way that i the analogy that i give it which is the stone in the shoe which is you know the trauma is the stone in the shoe for whatever reason it's there you have a stone in your shoe and then what happens is you start trying to avoid the stone you compensate with your foot you kind of move it around a bit you kind of because you don't know how to get rid of it or you you sort of know you might not even know it's there but that you uh. just know there's something not quite right and then the whole body shifts to compensate for the fact that you know there's something in your shoe and at most people when they're working will look at what we call the symptom isn't it which is the compensatory stuff the coping yeah. mechanisms we put in the the yeah. the things that are going wrong all of that and they'll fix that which is great but it doesn't stop the fact that the stone is still in the shoe and and the work that I love that you and I do and <clears throat> very often refer to each other as well is that um we take the stone out of the shoe and then and then yeah. the compensatory stuff doesn't always adjust sometimes you then have to obviously deal with that as well you know because mm. it's really ingrained but that's kind of the best analogy i've ever found for explaining to people why it's so important to understand this topic and, and the effect that it has so tell us a little bit about what you define as trauma i mean do you have any do you even have a definition that you use um for me i how because obviously i work with um the energy anatomy as well as the physical physiology and anatomy how it how it um is shown to me is we have a emotional body and a mental body and all of our past experience are stored there as well as in the neuropathy of the brain, in the amygdala, the, cent uh, the uh, cerebellum and the me medulla oblongata. So we, our brain is constantly going back to what we have stored before, which is predominantly trauma. So it's almost like we have a, a reflex situation where unless you clear the, the um, medulla oblongata and the amygdala, which is where that fight flight freeze response comes from we're constantly either fighting frozen or uh running so for me trauma is it can be anything it can be from when we're little and we have a rough time at school it's all of the belief system that we adopt from when we are even in the womb of limitation and basically it's all the fear-based control mechanisms 
that we adopt and take on board and believe they're our own. So it could be, you know, it, it can also be as an equestrian because you've had, for example, like a crashing fall or you've had a really tricky horse that you can't get to grips with or you, it's, you've got a horse who's holding trauma because, you know, the majority of horses are not started correctly. Horses are not meant to be moved from pillar to post, home to home. So, and they are doing their absolute best to understand what we're asking of them, to understand what it is. But if you look at how m most horses are broken in, it's, you know, it's it's rushed. And this energy, you know, this whole uh, mindset of, I need to make money from this horse. So I'm going to get it started at three. I'm going to get it on at four. I'm going to have it out there at five so I can make a load of money to sell it. And I understand the business behind it. But unfortunately, that doesn't take into consideration the impact it has, not only on the horse's physical development, but also their emotional and mental development. In my, what, 40 odd years of experience of horses on this planet, I can count on one hand the number of really like horses who are just like that where humans are concerned. They are always doing their level best to uh, to be the most amazing beings they are and lovers and God knows why most of the time. But the amount of trauma that in my professional work that I see in horses that is misdiagnosed as, you know, behavioral issues or intermittent lameness or or moodiness or difficulty all goes back to the fact that they are carrying old trauma in the same way that we do their uh, energy anatomy is exactly the same as ours and if anything they are more sensitive and more out there than the average human because we're we, we become so desensitized we become numb and we numb ourselves with sugar caffeine alcohol you know, other either self-medicating or or medical stuff from the doctors. You know, the media's pumping shit at us the whole time. Is there any wonder that you know emotional and mental health, the trauma that we hold, is immense? So for me, trauma is simply anything that knocks us away from our truth, which is that we are here to be to live our dreams to honor ourselves and to love who we are and therefore come from that place so anything that takes us out of right relationship with ourself is indicative of unhealed trauma and it doesn't mean you've had to go through a war zone or you know any of that that's extreme ptsd yeah you know, this is bog standard day-to-day -day life you know yeah. having a shitty boss you know that has a huge impact on our emotional mental you know well-being yeah. and yeah. and and it and it's and it's like a chinese water torture you know mm. it's layer upon layer upon layer upon layer being bullied at school or being, being bullied, bullied on your yard yeah being bullied oh god we all know that one you know mm -hmm. and it's and you know and, and all of that is it's and and unfortunately what happens is is it becomes the norm. Yeah. So so you interact from that level with everyone because you think that's just how it is on this planet. Yeah. It's that boiling a frog analogy, isn't it? That if you put yeah, a frog into absolutely. hot water, it'll jump out. But you put it into cold water and slowly raise temperature, it becomes the norm until you actually can kill it because it just boils. And that's that's where we're at, isn't it? You know, like, you know, when something's not right, you jump into it and you go, oh, no, thank you very much. But when it's just built and compounded and that compound trauma actually is more prevalent and huge compared to the big accident, the big fall, the big thing, because we tend to mm. notice that more. And we tend really? to go, oh, that's not right. Let's sort it. Yeah. Now, one of the things yeah. that I would love to I would love for people to be more aware of this stuff and therefore do something about it is things like when you have an accident with a horse, it could be on the ground, it could be traveling, it could be ridden, it could be all sorts of things. That actually is potentially a form of trauma quite easily. Because if you think about our horses and you think about the elements that often make up trauma are like, you can't do anything about it, you're not in control of it. For whatever reason, mm. you haven't got the skills or you don't have access to the skills to do anything. 
And um, there's a perceived, and this is the really important part about trauma, isn't it, in the brain, there's a perceived risk to life or limb. And it doesn't mm. have to be what someone else would perceive. It's, it's the brain that's perceiving it at the time. You know, it's the perception Completely. of that world. And those elements come together when you think about it, when you fall off or when you have a, a terrible a lesson or, you know, some of those things are all right. But the thing that you and I work with all the time is the fact that people ignore that for so long that it that then it compounds and another thing gets added and another thing gets added until they get to the point where they're ill or they're not um, performing or their horse, you know, if we look at the horses, you know, it's not. So tell us about that. Well, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and I and I because I tend to work uh, a lot with what are deemed high flyers and um, but, or, you know, people across the board as well. And what I see is that. Behind every high flyer is a very, very traumatized, insecure little person. Because that need to seek, you know, and I and I put myself in that bracket and because that's how I was. And, you, you know, the perfectionist, the the critic, the person who's always criticizing themselves and internally, because a big part of this is tied up with your inner dialogue. You know, and it's that thing of it's not just the, your diet in terms of what you eat and what you ingest, but also what is the diet of your thoughts and your feelings? It's like, you know, how much of your time do you spend actively, internally criticizing yourself? And I mean, I had this uh, because of the training I went through with riding as a junior, where I was incredibly fortunate to train with, you know, Lars and Yogi Breisner and do a season there and then on to Henry Lott from the dressage. So by the time I was, you know, 15, I was jumping, you know, badminton-sized fences and you know, Grand Prix, riding Grand Prix stallions at Grand Prix level. But the pressure that you are put under, if you are on one of those fast track into senior squad stuff, the pressure you're put under, which is needed, the back lay of that is you never, ever appreciate if you're any good at anything because it's all about critique. It's like, oh, you know, your seat could be stronger, you're slightly out of alignment, your leg could be better, your foot could be there, you could have seen the stride there, you know, your horse was behind the bit there or behind the vertical. And so you never ever take a moment to actually appreciate yourself. And this doesn't just apply to high performance, it applies across the board. Because at work, it's always about, you know, you, you, you're not delivering or you're not delivering as well as you could. At home, oh, there's dust oh, I haven't done that, you know, that wall needs painting, oh, and, and I, you know, I mean, and the, it just goes on and on. Then you have the media and the advertising industry basically telling you you're shit, you know, unless you buy this or do this. And then we get into that awful um, pattern of, of thinking that something outside of you is going to make this better. And, and, and that's where it, we really start to unravel. Because it all is, it's all about coming back to self, coming back within and listening and beginning to allow yourself to cut yourself some slack in your mind. And then clearing the trauma that we hold in the heart, which is all comes from the mind, because this is what we tend to listen to and get controlled by. And it's the worst controller in the universe. You know, it never gives us any positive impact, it never goes, oh, well done, job well done. You know, you had a nice hack you didn't come off, your horse was happy. Because we also put all this expectation on our riding of, well, you know, my horse has got to be flexing right and it's got to be able to work through the shoulder and it's got to be engaged behind and working through the back. And I had this with my own mare recently. She was, um, a, she's very well bred, but she'd been through massive trauma in Ireland and terrible, terrible stuff. And it took a very long time to, get her to trust me and heal everything she'd gone through, which she has, God bless her. And 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 I was working her in hand the other day and I suddenly become aware, because I was just like, no, I'm, I'm going to step back. I'm not going to put any pressure on her, I'm just going to see how she works. And I'd suddenly become aware of like, God, you know, even though I know all this stuff, I'm still putting that pressure on my mare of, well, you know, engage behind and work through rather than let's just have fun. Because I'm not you know, competing or doing any of that stuff, but I still want my horse to work properly. 
and and you know this this barrage of pressure that is a form of trauma because you 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 reach a level where you never ever actually enjoy being you you don't enjoy anything you do because I mean, I remember one time I cut a hedge, but it, there was a couple of bits that weren't level. And I was like, oh, that's a shit job. You know, and it's like, what the, you know, really? And then I was at a fundraising dinner at Stowe College a few years ago, and I happened to be sitting next to two oncologists who had been in the cancer field for over 20 years each. And we were talking about the role of trauma in chronic illness, unhealed trauma. And I deal a lot with, uh, not only with people who want to improve their lives, improve their performance, but also people who are deeply traumatized. And I, I, I basically was saying that I felt that in every cancer case, about 85% of all cancer cases were trauma-based. And that if you healed the underlying trauma, then the body would recover. And they agreed. And this is the level to the extent that trauma can take us. Because if we end up being really miserable and depressed and no joy, no fun, and overwhelmed by everything, because that's what happens. It builds up and it builds up and it builds up and it builds up until we simply can't cope anymore. And if we then go into that extreme place of, I don't want to be here anymore, then that sends a signal into our body that, okay, it's time to start to, to die. It's time to, to start disintegrating. So that's the importance of trauma in our lives. It's incredible, isn't it? To think the effect that it has. And, and the bit that I, has fascinated me learning about it is that so much of it isn't perceived as trauma either. You know, it's just perceived as, normal or yeah I mean you know talking about the parental things and and yard so so when we're grown up we might not be around our parents as much or our family as much but our families become our yards and become the the riders around us and yeah. people we spend our time with and as horse riders because we spend so much time riding and around our horses they tend to become like our family don't they yeah and yeah. you know that actually the the abuse it's not it's not seen as abuse it's just someone who's just has a little bit of a comment or someone um and it and you know, all of this stuff is seemingly, it's probably often not even deliberate or not even meant to be nasty or anything like that. No. But what it does is it taps into that little bit of us yeah. that who, is who wounded. Is the insecure. You know, we, we all have our insecurities. That That's part of what makes us us and makes us vulnerable and raw and beautiful. And, I mean, if you think about, you know, most livery yards in the country, how many functional livery yards do you know? You know, how many well, this yards is what I'm, you I'm setting up what I am, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, this is it. You know, and I mean, I'm incredibly blessed to now be in the first yard mm. I've ever found where people are seriously proper. Yeah. And everyone, you know, helps each other out and there's no bullshit whatsoever. And, it, and as a result, all the horses are so happy yep. and they're so chilled and they're thriving because, that you know, they pick up on all of this, you know, and, and you know, and it's, and it's, I don't know what it is. And I've never been able to work out what is it about the horse world that draws in so much of this. I mean, even at the highest level. You know, I mean, I've had cases, you know, I mean, I used to work with the teams and stuff. And I mean, some of the, you know, not in eventing, but in other teams, it, 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 it mind blowing. Mm. You know, and I mean, if it's happening, I mean, you know, we know about the corruption at the highest levels in this sport. And it's like, so if you're at the highest levels, it's not honorable. How on earth is it, can it be honorable right down to grassroots? And I mean, you know, my, my, burning desire is a real shake-up of the whole of the horse industry of you know put the horse one put the horse first two let's start being kind to each other you know steady on julia whoa <laughs> <laughs> put one of those crazy ideas out there be kind to each other yeah yeah exactly i think it's really interesting though, isn't it coming back to 
I mean, coming back to your point when you started, which was like, just get on with it, man up and what have you. This kind of this idea of be kind is hashtag be kind is, you know, banded around all over the place. But do yeah. people actually really know what that means? And also, no, is it actually knows. seen as weakness, being being genuine, yeah. being kind, being nice? Yeah. Is that? I mean, this is the thing is that, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, I understand if you are, you know, competing at three, four star. I mean, you know, I, I use my own background because of eventing. So, you know, the equivalent of, you know, whatever, it, you know, you know, working PSG, Grand Prix or even advanced medium and or your, you know, show jumping, at you know, 140 plus, you've got to have that discipline and you've got to have um, trainers who will go, well, that was shit. You know, because you've you, that's a whole other ball game. But yeah. if your joy is simply pleasure riding, you know, doing the odd prelim, you know, having a poodle, then what the hell? Why? What gives someone the right to turn around and go, "Well, that was shit." Oh, have you seen her? Who does she think she is? Have you seen her horse? Bit fat. You know, it's like one. It's none of your business. Two, what is really sad, it's a reflection of that own person's unhealed trauma. That's the one. You know, yeah. and that's the bottom line in all of this story is it all boils back down to your, we're, and also within the horse world, we are all bred to compete with each other. But the interesting thing is, is at the highest level, and even in an, in eventing, you are, you've all got each other's backs because it's deadly. And I mean, you know, and you're there to help and support each other. But it's that thing of when you're instilled in you that you're here to compete with each other, that then breeds that judgment, bitchiness, all of that stuff. Yeah. Rather than rather than good for you it was your day today because you know having horses is relentless you know like sunday afternoon i was shoveling shit and pulling rag work for an hour and a half as well you know it's it's all of that as well as the fact that you have bad days and it doesn't always go right and you may well be bucked off or dumped or your horse decides it's just not in the mood for it because you're misreading the signal because you're asking them to do something that perhaps they're not ready to do because of the pressure you're under because of trauma and because of bitching and competition and judgment. I mean, what a yeah. toxic group that is. And yet the crazy part is that most of us are drawn to horses because <laughs> they're impartial, they're non-judgmental, yeah. they see us yeah. as a being, they don't care how yeah. much we earn, what we wear, no. what we do, no. No. you know, and, and that's why Love most it. of us are drawn to it. Yeah, and yeah. so most of us in yards are drawn into this particular hobby sport, whatever you want to call it, because of that stuff. And then we're all sharing our trauma. <laughs> yeah. And we think it's going to be a great environment. So yes. so this is kind totally. of, yeah, this is helping us like understand it a bit more. And I know there's some light bulbs going off for people and things and it's kind of tucking in and they're going, okay, I understand this now. So, so what, like, what can they start to do about it or start to understand or change or, you know, what do you do? I mean, obviously I, you can't tell us, it's a bit like people say to me, how can I be confident? It's like, uh, right. Well, there's 10 years of training. Like, I'm going to give you in a sentence, you know, I know you can't do that, but, but I, what do but people need to start knowing? Point. One can to a point because all of us have the same archetypes. By archetype, I mean element of self that tends to rule us. So the self-saboteur, the inner critic, the inner judge, the I'm not good enough. You know, those are four key pillars and drivers and triggers who are the hobby elements that are holding the trauma. So, obviously, if you're really suffering, get help. There are quite a few of us out there doing really, really good work. Obviously, you're one, I'm another, and there are a number of others. But on a simple, practical level that you can, you can begin to practice now is take a moment to just become aware of your inner dialogue. 
who are you listening to? Are you listening to the critic who just goes, well, oh, shit. Are you listening to the judge going, mm, you know, could do better? And that doesn't just apply in riding. It applies in everything. You know, in our intimate relationships, invariably, the reason most relationships break down, unless we've just simply picked the wrong guy or woman or whatever, is because we're, we're both holding trauma. You and your partner, your husband, boyfriend, are holding trauma. And unless you are able, and it doesn't matter how much love you have for each other, if this is your ruling influence, it will impact your relationship. Same with family, same with friends. So we end up like bleeding on each other energetically, emotionally, and mentally. So the first step you can take, and we, anyone, everyone can do this, is just become, begin to become aware of who is controlling you is it your need to have approval well that's never going to happen and it's about then learning to approve of yourself so it's coming back to the heart to the love that we all have even if the only thing you love is your horse or your dog or your cat you've there every one of us has something that we love so begin to connect with that and then look at Am I treating myself from a place of love and compassion, forgiveness, understanding and respect? Am I my own best friend or am I my own worst enemy? And then, okay, what can I do to change? And then it's that thing of come in here, begin to listen to who is controlling you. One of the things I see in the horse, with the horses is that even when we're riding, now bearing in mind horses are here, present in this moment, how many of us are there with them in that? We tend to either be having shopping lists, thinking about what we've got to do next, or beating ourselves up because we're not riding as well as we could, or that we think we're not good enough, or that, you know, am I really right for my horse? Is my horse happy? And all of this stuff, particularly as women, men, don't get me wrong, men have the same stuff too. I work with men as well as women. But with women, we are expected to juggle so many balls simultaneously, far more than the average man. So not only is that the whole inner dialogue, but also the stress of having to keep so many balls in the air simultaneously, as well as put up with toxing and toxic internecine warfare in your livery yard you know i mean it's like it's a no it's it's no there's no win there yeah a hundred percent and that really hit into something so i've just finished running a confidence camp and one of the things that i was saying there's three rules on the camp and one of them is you are allowed to celebrate your success because one of the things that i've noticed in riders is that we don't want to go, yes, I'm really proud of that. That's great. Because we either think someone else is going to tall poppy syndrome us and cut us down if we're, you know, seem to be happy or good. Or we think that they're going to belittle us because they're going, well, we don't care. You're only doing that and we're doing this or whatever. Or they're jealous of us because they're below us. But I don't mean below us, but they want to be able to do what yeah. we can do and they don't want to celebrate yeah. it. And we had this really interesting discussion about me saying, look, celebrate yourself. Don't be a dick about it. Like, don't go around someone who's just had a really shit lesson or a really something terrible and go, I had a great time, you know, because that's perhaps <laughs> not the best way of doing it. But yeah, like... Sense. Exactly. But there was one, there was a, a, you know, a great conversation that we had, which was exactly what you've been talking about there, which is, is our inner judge, our inner critic and our inner imposter that stops us celebrating our success. And we don't have to run around the place with our knickers in the air saying I'm really pleased about something or post it all over Facebook. But we can if we want to. That's up to us. But actually, yeah. the people that we think are judging us or um, won't like it or whatever, actually, they're, they probably would join in with celebrating our success provided they haven't got too much of their own stuff going on and it's our inner critic judge and imposter that's probably saying to us they won't like it i bet Absolutely. you most most of us want to celebrate success with someone and go well that's brilliant oh that's fantastic yeah. you know we might think i wish yeah. i could have but most people won't actually do that no. it comes and from it inside something as simple as actually getting on your horse and yeah. just walking around the arena for 10 minutes 
Yep. You know, it's not because you've just jumped to, you know, whatever, or you've done a, you know, stunning half pass or whatever. It could be something as simple as I actually got on my horse and I was able to walk around for 10 minutes and relax and enjoy it. Yeah. 100%. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's and, and, and you're absolutely right. I know this only too well that, you know, because we are governed by our inner world and our inner language and our inner self, that oftentimes we think someone's like giving us a dodgy look, whereas they're not at all, because we're so locked in our own inner stuff. And it's and, and in actual fact, you you know, the vast majority of people want to be friendly, want to be good, you know, want to get on with each other, want to have a lovely time. And it's just these triggers and drivers that get in the way of real heart connection. Mm. I mean, it's like mm. where I'm now is like, I mean, I had time to work my girl this morning and just bring it back because she's fat. And, and you know, and we just, all I was doing was working her in hand in the arena, just starting to get her going again and just walking hand. Now, bearing in mind this mare was in the past, if you lunged her, she would lose the plot, go into a gallop and basically try to kill herself. And she was just walking out beautifully, looking around, having a lovely time. And we just, because when you're just coming back in, it just did four circuits on each on each rein, just with the lunge canvas and nothing else at all. And it's a big outdoor show jumping arena. And uh, wonderful Chloe, who is uh, who is the yard manager, and I just brought her back in and she just said, oh, I saw you out of the window. She said, she looks so happy. You know, that is your horse happy you know it doesn't matter what you're doing it doesn't matter if you're not even riding and you've just got a really gorgeous therapy creature who's a field ornament so what it's your horse and funny enough we've had a couple of new girls come on the yard this week and one of the other girlies and i were you know we said oh hi you know welcome and they were like and they were kind of like a bit like this and they were and they were like it seems quite nice here and we were like yeah we haven't got time for any bitching or backstabbing or bullshit or any of that we are genuine and we don't care what you do or don't do with your horse so long as you love them and they're well treated you know and, they, and she was like oh do, you, do either of you compete we were like nah <laughs> we're full on professional haven't got the time have done you know kind of know our shit to a certain extent but you never stop learning and I was like, seriously, we've got each other's back here. You know, if you need anything, you know. And one girl had moved down from Scotland. She was like, oh, which vets do you recommend? You know, which farriers, you know, teachers, et cetera. And, you know, and, and that's how we're meant to be with each other, where we help each other out. The horses are happy and you are able to actually chill, relax and enjoy being with your horse enjoy being in the yard enjoy whatever it is that you want to do with your horse that's why we do this it's meant to be therapy obviously also if you're competing at a senior level or competing at any level brilliant you know there's nothing like going out and you know either for a dressage competition or show jumping or venting or you know whatever or latrec or polo or whatever your calling is with the understanding you're going to have good days and bad days but what you don't need is to then come back to yard and go oh well you know someone go oh how did you do oh well you know we came 12th or we came last because they were, they lost it in the ring and rather than that person going oh yeah yeah know that one goes oh really oh well we came fourth or we won last you know you know all of that shit yeah I used to hate that. That's I used to hate. Superior. That's exactly it. It's yeah, about them, the their need to be superior. superior. Yeah. yeah. I used to be on a yard where I I was pretty much one of the only people that actually went and competed, which wasn't a problem. Like people can do what they want. And I would come back from a competition to the yard and I knew that the loaded question was was waiting. And the loaded question was always, oh, how did you do? And it was it wasn't. It wasn't like, you know, we want to know either way because if you came back and go, yeah, I won everything and I've, I brought all the silverware home or whatever. They'd be like, oh. And if you went, oh, we didn't have a great day. So, oh, really? You know, and you oh, bog off. Like I'd be, I'd literally come through the gate and go, oh, here it comes. I can't be bothered with this. I've really, like whatever has happened today, 
and, and then you have to justify yourself. You're like, well, we came 12th because actually my horse wasn't right and the wind was blowing the wrong way and something. Yeah. And you think that's such a waste of energy. Why do yeah. I need to justify myself? Either way. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, oh, and the, the best one, the best one I ever had was how do you do? Oh, we came second. And how many were in the class? Bog off. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's the classic, isn't it? Oh. And you're just like, you know, do you know what it takes emotionally and mentally and physically to get a horse to even compete at any level? You know? Yeah. And and the fact they are fundamentally... I mean, I always remember Philippe Carl, who's an ex-Card Noir uh, rider, you know, in, in, in when he begins his teaching, he goes, look, you do realise this animal is fundamentally a wild animal and it's a flight animal. And there is a very high risk it will kill you. Not intentionally, but it's just one of those, you know, if you can accept that. So the mere fact, I mean, you know, in, in insurance, you know, horse, anything to do with horses is considered one of the you know, most dangerous things you can do. So, so we're, we're already up there with all of that then you have that number to deal with you know i mean i remember this was as a as a junior and i was competing against the senior squad right and this was a oh i don't know some one day event somewhere and the girl who went before me cross country was on the olympic team on her olympic horse i'm on my 41 and a half pony who was epic and she came off in the coffin and broke her leg and I was next to go, right? So I've been held up in the collecting room. Anyway, you either did the coffin or you did the trachea because it was, you know, option, la, 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 long way, short way. And I always was taught by my father, who was incredible, to go the direct way because I'm on something much smaller, save time, and he's an athlete and he can do all of it. So anyway, we get back and we came forth and... One of the uh, trainers was there who didn't train me. He'd wanted to train me, but I, I was like, no, because by this time I'd gone to Lars and Yogi. Anyway, he came up to me and he was like, oh, how did you do? And I came for, I said, I was thrilled. You know, it's one of our first competitions against the seniors and we came forth and he just looked at me and went, well, why didn't you win? And I'm like, what the fuck? Excuse my language. I'm like, I'm coming up 15 years old. And I'm competing against one of the people who was on the Olympic team on her Olympic horse. And I beat them. And you're giving me a hard time because I came fourth and I didn't win. You know, take that. Yeah, that's crazy. It's, but but And the thing that we teach, though, is to realise that, OK, that will have tapped into something in you. Of course it would. Yeah. But if you're able yeah. to just go sod off and mean yeah. it, then you know yeah. that it's not your stuff. It's theirs. No. Exactly. And that's one of the key things in this work. A, a lovely colleague and a dear friend of mine, a guy called Jamie Cato, he, he says this lovely thing where it's like, if someone's nice to you, it's because they're feeling good about themselves. If someone's shitty, it's because either they're having a really hard day or because that's their relationship with themselves. And if we can park that somewhere in our brain and utilize that understanding, then we become aware that whatever anyone else says outside of us, it's not about it's not about them. It's that is no if we can reach a point where whatever anyone says or does around us has no impact on ourself and our relationship with ourselves, then you've achieved ninja level status. Because that is one of the hardest things to do. Mm. Yeah, it really is. And it doesn't matter how much of this work you've done or how many layers of the onion you've got to or how enlightened you are or any of that stuff, there is still stuff that hits us. There is still stuff that bothers us. I was in squad training the other week and I have one of those squad trainers because he's a squad trainer because he wants us yeah. internationally competing. So he's not yeah. going to go, well, you've come a long way, well done. He's going to go, that's yeah. not good enough, that's not good enough because he's, like you say, and I was trying to do this one particular thing and I had tears flowing down my face and I have never, ever had a lesson where I was so frustrated, but I was just getting on with it because that's what I had to do. Never had this before because I was saying to you the other day, I have never had goals that aren't mine. And suddenly there's someone else's goal on me now and they mm. are pushing me. And it doesn't matter how much stuff you have been through and you have worked on yourself. There are still going to be people and things that trigger bits 
in you and that's okay you know i didn't beat myself up i didn't say i wasn't good enough and i did for that moment i was definitely doing it in the moment but afterwards you kind of go i need to see it from their perspective or i need to see this thing or i need to know what this is about in me or what is it and then you can become okay with it it doesn't mean we're going to go neither us two go through life going life thinks lovely and wonderful and I never have any problem and I never upset anyone else and they never upset me and la and I do think sometimes people come to work with us and honestly they think that they're going to go away fixed and never have a problem again and life's going to be beautiful and everything's going to be wonderful and ha oh my god no sorry guys sorry it doesn't work it's better of course it does I've been you know I've I've been what doing this for over 20 years now and I mean, like currently, I am working with a wonderful uh, friend of mine in New Zealand, and we're both working together on healing our core issues with the opposite sex. Because pretty much all of us will have been through some kind of shit relationship, which has a massive impact on, hello, trust issues. Where does that fit in? <laughs> And this applies, you know, on every level, trust in the workplace, everyone gossiping by the water fountain, wondering if they're, you know, bitching about you. I mean, this goes through everything. And um, and I, I'd been I've been intentionally single for like four years. And I was suddenly thinking, like, why am I why am I choosing to be single? Oh, yeah, that's right, because I've still got all this unhealed trauma from picking being the rescuer. That was my thing. You know, I'll rescue you. I'll look after you. Come here. And then, of course, you know, you get battered on every level. So he and I are currently working on that stuff together as colleagues and friends. And it's like, you know, and the guards and the, the protection you put up around yourself to not get hurt. So, yeah, absolutely, Jenny. We, because, you know, I can only speak for myself here. I've chosen to fall into just about every single hole there is in life and have learned and been trained on so many levels to help people address core trauma and transform it. But again, back to what you just said, we're always peeling away the layers. Yes, without doubt, life gets better because your relationship with yourself changes fundamentally and I'm in a place now with myself that I never dreamed possible where I'm no longer critique critiquing myself every time I ride a well that wasn't fucking good you know she wasn't you know she wasn't working properly through the shoulder and my core is weak or whatever story I choose to give myself instead I'm going yeah you know what we're both happy we were chilled we were relaxed she was taking up the contact professionally personally you know it's uh, we're, I'm getting there, but again, it's it, and also it's it's what I feel really important is not seeing it as a mountain that you've got to climb, but instead just sitting with yourself and just going, oh, you know, hand over heart, oh, it's okay. You know, we're mm. all works in progress here. We're all, all of us are in recovery from massive shit, and it's time that we began to honour ourselves and each other and go, I recognise this in you and in myself. Let's work together. Let's make it better. Yeah. Rather than, ah, well, you're a bit of a head case, aren't you? Oh, am I a head case? It's always the blame and the judgment, isn't it? It's so much easier to, to blame or judge someone else than take responsibility because this, again, is about personal responsibility and accountability. Yeah. 100%. And it's a lot of retraining. You know, this isn't this isn't like, oh, here's a magic wand and you're fixed overnight. I wish. Be lovely. I always tell people my magic wand's broken. <laughs> Sorry, it's, it's being fixed at the moment. Sorry. But yeah, and I think, you know, that's definitely the lesson that I've had is that things get better and you're able to cut yourself slack and you're able to see things and you don't get as emotionally involved and the world doesn't end as often and all of that stuff. And, you know, the, you don't have these massive peaks and troughs that you used to get. Yeah. Things are just a little bit because you can just you regulate. I think that's probably the best word for it. You can regulate yourself completely. And it doesn't and mean that things don't happen because they're going to. No, but what it's also that thing of coming back to self, you're centering. Yeah. I hate the word mindful because to me, that implies that your mind's just full of stuff. Yeah. But um. To me, it's about being centered. 
You know, uh, yeah. where's your inner peace? Where's your inner calm? Where's your inner acceptance? Where's your ability to not take yourself quite so seriously? Yep. You know, which is another, particularly if like me, you, you know, you, you've got your, I'm a recovering re perfectionist and, and then, you know, we've all got the drama queen, no matter how big or small she may be, you know, and it's, you know, and it's, and, and it, the, I mean, my darling cousin, who's a sniper in the army, he always used to say to me years ago, he'd be like, Jules, no dwarmers. <laughs> Because when they're trained at that level, you can't have any drama, you know. No, you really can't, so yeah. But they're trained. No, you really That's the difference, isn't it, you know? Yes, exactly. They are trained to, you know, that. And that's what we have to do for ourselves. Other tools that I feel are hugely important are meditation. Yeah. And, and no one is taught this shit. No one's taught to meditate. And then you think, oh, does that mean I've got to sit cross-legged for like half an hour or whatever? And it's like, you know, or, or om, or yeah, exactly. And it's like, no, just become aware of your breath. Yep. Because a lot of trauma is tied up in our breath. So we don't even breathe properly. So then because we're breathing from our chest and we've got the tension in our shoulders and our neck and our, you know, TMJ and then down in the back. And then, we're, you know, invariably, you know, most, you know, we've all known that story of being worried about money, being worried about bills, particularly if you've got horses you know, burn 50 pound notes on a daily basis, you know, it's the most expensive addiction going. So, yeah. you know, and, and, and it's like, you know, coming back and, you know, and again, this, I have to refer to the bigger picture. We are not alone here. There is a much bigger picture. It is about connecting back into our truth, connecting back into ourselves, And then no matter what you have to deal with, you know, it doesn't mean to say you're not going to deal with, you know, parents getting old and dying, family dying, you know, shit happens. But it, it, it gives you the tools and the wherewithal to actually be able to deal with life and not only deal with it, but actually, even God forbid, begin to actually enjoy. Yeah. Steady on, Julia. Steady on. Cool. <laughs> enjoy things enjoy let stuff go enjoy things go with the flow not be scared yeah. of things not have to control yeah. everything whoa this is a this is a you know unicorn and fairy world that you're talking about there yeah. really that can't Absolutely. be life surely i mean yeah really and also see that things happen for a reason like what was it what was it the other day i got my knickers in a twist about <laughs> oh yeah i was trying to order some protexin online because Millie'd started scouring and, and and there was no logical reason for it. And I was like, oh, maybe because, you know, she's now going to feel much richer grass. She's living her best life. And I thought, oh, you know, I'll get some protection. And I couldn't, it just wouldn't work. And I really almost lost it. Like, really almost lost it. And I was like, for fuck's sake, you know, with the laptop. I would not work. I've only got 20 minutes to do this. I've got to get on. And, blah, blah, blah. and then I was just and then I just sort of felt you know that tap and it was just like Judy what the hell where have you gone and then I went down the yard and I was just like oh yeah Judy look you have the tools to actually treat your horse hello your work and so, you know, like, where have you gone you know so I got my kit out and treated her and the and she stopped there and then and the scouring was cleared by the next day she was back to normal made a water-based remedy all good in the hood we're all works in progress. <laughs> That's exactly it. That is exactly it. I think that's a, you know, a great pace to to end on. It's just self awareness is a huge key. If you are struggling, get help. Really? Yeah, really. Isn't it? Really, really. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, if anyone wants to, you know, talk to me about their stuff, um, I only work one on one in terms of bespoke program because everyone is unique. We may all be dealing with the same stuff, but how it comes into us is, is unique, as you know. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and I don't take on many people at once so that I can truly devote all my energy. But interestingly enough, I've got two or, th I've got two or three guys coming to an end, so I have got room if anyone really needs help. And 
if and and reach out reach out to jenny reach out to me reach out get the help you need don't feel that you've got to just struggle through and cope on your own because that isn't why we're here that's not what it's about this is a team effort none of us are islands. none of us can do this on our own no no. And even in doing what we do, you know, I had a very much an island approach to it of I've got I've got to sort it. I can't they, they can't go to someone else or what have you. And and that was a very lack, lack mindset years ago. And and it all changed when I started realizing that actually we work as a team as well, you know, and, and it, it it comes together and it works and it's brilliant. So it doesn't matter who you just go to someone, you know, yeah. we're talk, we're, yeah. we're available, but they're you know, but just make yeah, sure that they're credible. credible. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Make sure that they are proper and they're real and trust your intuition, trust your gut feeling, because we tend to deny our gut feeling. And that's our truth, our inner truth going, don't go there or do mm -hmm. go there. But if you have the slightest concern, like, oh, I'm not sure about that person, particularly when it comes to this kind of work where you're you're you need to be so safe and so protected and so honored yeah. and not have someone who projects or transfers their shit onto you yeah you know it's it's it, you, you really and and you know if and we know other really good people too because quite often we're not the right person for whomever it may be and if yeah. we're not we will know someone who is yeah that's 100 and i think it's really important that it is someone that does openly work on their stuff and they're humble because we are all all got our own stuff that we're working on and, and we're not rescuers. Oh, I think that's a really important thing. We're not here to, I can't rescue everyone. I haven't got enough energy or time in the day. You're the same. You can't rescue people now. It's about no, finding no. people to find their own way and we support you, but we can't, we can't do it for you. So you've got, you've got no. to do it yourself. You've got to do it yourself. You've got to be in the place but to do that, but just We'll give tools. you the tools and the knowledge so, and the wherewithal in order to get, to get stuck in and come out. Yeah. A very different person mm, but yeah absolutely exciting. rescuers no no don't do rescue no and you can feel the energy if they're exhausting you just they're just exhausting to be around you just think oh, yeah really chill just yeah. just chill yeah. someone feel if, yeah. if you kind of if you're looking at someone and you think you know i think they're kind of they're all right in their own skin they kind of seem like they've got their stuff sorted a little bit then they're probably a good person to go to completely and if and if they're willing to own their stuff, you know, this again yeah. is back to, you know, you, we've all known those people who go, oh no, I'm amazing and I'm completely sorted and come to me and I'll wave my magic wand and you will be, you know, and it's just like run. If you come yeah. across <laughs> one of those, run in the opposite direction as far as you can go. You know, it's like yeah, we, you know, you. I mean, but without doubt, you and I are really good at our jobs. Yeah. Because we know what it's like not to be. We know what it's like to be in that place. And we know yeah. how really awful it is mm. to feel shit about yourself. Yeah. It's horrible. Been there, tried that one. Learned that lesson. Yeah. Big time. And, you know, and yeah, we can still put ourselves there. But the thing is, is that, that we don't stay there. No. That's the difference. You know, we've learned how to kind of pat ourselves back and go, yeah, we're doing we're doing all right. Exactly. Still, yeah, you know, yeah. there's still work to do, but fundamentally, we are on the bottom line in a good place with ourselves. Yeah. Because, that's, like you said, we have the tools, and that's what it is. It's the tools and the support. They are the two things. If you have tools yeah. and support, you will always Completely. be okay because you know what Completely. to do about it and you know who to go to to either get another tool or the bit of help yeah. or refine the yeah. tool or do something else. So that's the two things you always need, the tools and support. So, you know, anyone yeah. ever offering you anything, it is not about them fixing you or rescuing you or keeping you no. there for years and years and years and well, keep coming back no, to me. And no. Keep, no, no, no. Great no. business no, model, no, no. terrible, terrible therapy model, terrible healing yeah, really, model, you know. I mean, that's, that's doesn't codependency. Yeah. It's codependency. And you're just developing another toxic codependent relationship. I mean, as you know, how I work is I tend to do a, a month to three months deep dives with clients. And then it's like, okay, we'll check in every month for maybe two or three months and then rock on. If you yeah. need me, you know where I am. And you can always come back because I'm I 
you know, as you know, I work for principal. I have your back for for the rest of your life if you need me. Yeah. But I'm not going to be here to rescue you or fix you because only you can do that. Yeah, 100%. become your really own important. heroine, your own. Hero. That's it. Yeah, and then you can. We are. We are. Knickers on that's it. Side. You, you're. We, we. We. We'll show you how to create the cape, and you put the cape on, and it's all good. You know, we're. We're not gonna. We're not gonna wander around with the cape for you. Cool. Well, thank you no. so much, Julia. We have. We've managed to hit an hour. There's me thinking we. We've. <laughs> I don't know why I thought we wouldn't get to an hour. I thought we might finish a bit earlier today, but that's all good. It's fab. It's amazing. So, um, obviously, people can contact you on social media, Facebook, anything like that, or through yeah. me if they yeah. want to. I can give your number out. Yeah, do by all means give up my number and um, my email, um, and yeah, they can contact me through Facebook or Instagram. I'm in WhatsApp as well. I don't have a website because I just work by word of mouth, and you know, yeah, that's how it goes. But I'd be delighted awesome. if anyone needs help, reach out. I'm here, and so yeah, is Jenny. Hundred percent. Yeah. And I will happily, if you reach out, I'll happily pass your details on. So thank you so much, everyone, for listening in. Um, and we will uh, hear and see from you all again in a week. And uh, and thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye-bye. Bye, bye, love. And I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did. If you want to listen to more of them, then please do follow us in Apple, in Google and on Podbean. Hack Your Mindset with Jenny is the name of this podcast. So please do subscribe, follow us, and we look forward to you listening in to our next one. Bye, everyone. Who got this? You got this? You know you're gonna rock this. Who got this? You got this?